Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. As we continue through the Advent season, we're turning to various passages in Scripture, and today we are turning to Psalm 148, which I think, uh, hopefully, we'll see is a has a wonderful connection to the spirit of Advent. So we're in Psalm 148, where we read this: Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord from the heavens! Praise Him from the skies! Praise Him, all His angels! Praise Him, all the armies of heaven! Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you twinkling stars. Praise him, skies above. Praise him, vapors high above the clouds. Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command and they came into being. He set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey him mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock, small scurrying animals and birds, kings of the earth and all people, rulers and judges of the earth, young men and young women, old men and children. Let them all praise the name of the Lord, for his name is very great. His glory towers over the earth and heaven. He has made his people strong, honoring his faithful ones, the people of Israel, who are close to him. Praise the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dave, I have to confess uh, in picking this uh, passage, I generally am not someone who enjoys the praise-focused psalms. To me, it feels like somebody got lazy and just decided to list out all the instruments, you know, praise him with the drums, praise him with the harp, you know, <laughs> praise him with the, the Korg synthesizer or whatever else it would be. But I really like this psalm because I, I see in it a, a real kind of structure and progression and movement and, and even a challenge and question embedded into it. Now, maybe the other praise, praise psalms also have uh, structure and, and meaning that I'm just too dense to see, but I can at least see it here and, and, and feel it in, in this particular one. Uh, the first thing that I notice that I see is this movement, this all-encompassing movement from top down to the bottom. It starts with praise from the heavens, from the angels, the sun and moon, the stars, the sky, and then it moves down to the creatures of the earth and the creatures in the depths of the ocean. Uh, and then all the natural phenomena that are dangerously beautiful in our world, fire and hail and snow and clouds and mountains and, and trees. And then finally in verse 11, it comes to us, comes to people, we human beings. And I feel like the invitation here is that everything else in all of heaven and earth praises God unfailingly, unceasingly. We human beings, however, have this choice. Um, will we praise? You know, in verse 13, it says, let them praise, uh, praise the name of the Lord. And with everything else giving praise to God, will we also, will it happen? Um and I think for me, it feels like something of a cliffhanger question uh, that we're left with, where we join in this universal chorus of heaven and earth. Uh, and then there's in verse 14, a statement that I think is kind of obscured in the NLT's translation. In the NLT, it says, he has made his people strong, which is a totally valid translation. Literally, though, it says that he, God, has exalted his horn, exalted a horn for his people. Um, and the horn is uh, one of these very rich images, uh, rich metaphors that's used throughout scripture. And when you think of the horns or, or antlers, it's the same word in Hebrew. When you think of the horns or antlers of an animal, it's easy to see how horn becomes a symbol 
of power, a symbol, a metaphor of strength. But it's a metaphor that was especially commonly used for kings, for kingly power. Uh, for instance, we see this very clearly in Revelation, where the image of a horn is used, I, I believe, exclusively for kings of the earth. So if God lifts up the horn for his people, lifts up a horn for his people, this could mean that, like the NLT says, that he made his people strong. However, exalting the horn of his people could also mean lifting up the king of his people, and, and especially the Messiah. Now, that might feel like something of, uh, of a reach, but it is a metaphor that had wide usage. And I offer it, offer it not as uh, something that is proven, um, but rather simply as a point to ponder. And there are historical rabbinic references that do see this as a reference to Messiah, that the, that the horn here is the Messiah King. So I just want to uh, read it again, read this verse with the possibility, substituting this possibility that horn is the Messiah. And it would say then that God has lifted up the Messiah King of his people, honoring his faithful ones. And I think that whether you know we interpret it that way or or the way that it's written right here in the NLT or translated here in the NLT, of course, I think these are wonderful reasons uh, to praise the Lord. Uh, one final thing on this, uh, and uh, the word all is littered throughout this um, passage. It's you know kind of fits in with the whole theme that everything, all is praising God. And this word for all comes up 10 times. Uh, if you're counting it in the NLT, they, they drop it from verse seven. So you only come up with nine, but the word all occurs 10 times. And the word alone, its opposite occurs only once. And it occurs in verse 13, again, obscured in the NLT. In the NLT, it says, his name is very great. The NIV and, and, and other translations will translate a little more literally where it says his name alone is lifted up or his name alone is exalted. And so it's God is, is being set aside in distinction with creation, uh, against creation and distinction between God and uh, heaven and earth. And I think maybe that this, for me at least, hints at the essence of what praise is. And that is to, to ponder, to consider, to meditate upon, to celebrate that which is true of God alone true of God's name alone. And I think in many ways, for me, this is what connects this with Advent, that in Advent, we see that God alone deserves to lead. God alone is truly good. God alone deserves our full devotion. And so I think the question that this psalm implicitly poses is, all else in creation, heavens and earth, gives praise to God alone. Will we join in with this chorus of celebration? So Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage and if you have any more um, uh, fondness for the praise psalms than than I sadly do not have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I actually I I want to. Uh, I think that there's a couple of interesting things in here, but you know, I I as you were reading it today, I noticed something in here that I've never noticed before, and it's funny that when I'm reading it by myself, for some reason this never sticks out. I think part of it is because it's so repetitive. To be honest, sometimes I'll scan a, a psalm like this, you know, because I've read it a million times, whatever. And and, uh, and unlike others that where there, there's narrative, there's story, there's kind of an arc and development, these can feel very repetitive, right? And we know many other psalms that are like this. Um, but for some reason, as you were reading it, I was able to hear something that I sometimes miss when I'm reading it on my own. And, and maybe it's something I'm inventing, but I don't think so. So... Uh, if you notice the arc of this this whole psalm, uh, it starts off, praise the Lord, and then it starts listing, as we know, right? 
uh, from the heavens, from the skies, all his angels, armies of heaven, sun and moon, twinkling stars, and just keep going and going and going. And then as you know, as you noted already in verse 12, it finally ends up with uh, young men, young women, old men, children, you know, it ends up with humanity. Um, and I was just noticing that, you know, this actually reminds me of the order very loosely. It's the order of creation, right? The days of creation, which again, we all know if you heard my sermon on uh, maker of heaven and earth right at the very beginning of our Apostles' Creed series this, this fall, um, I actually don't believe that the, the six days of creation are actually trying to be chronological in the kind of strict sense, a, a descriptive sense. I actually think that that they're telling a much bigger and more important story. Go hear that sermon if you missed it and are interested in this. Um, but but that there are these six days in creation that uh, that culminate, right? It starts off with the sun, the moon, the stars, right? The skies, the heavens, right? Dividing the heavens and the earth. Um, and then, uh, it, but then we start to see the, the trees and we see the animals and then we see humans just like here. Uh, so anyway, I'm just wondering if that's actually deliberate, but then it, uh, it, it, I think it finally came home for me, really, when you were reading verse 13, and it says, his glory towers over earth and heaven. Uh, and and to me, this is an interesting thing, because that, that combination of, you know, heaven and earth, again, if you heard the Apostles' Creed sermon, my very last sermon on heaven, we talked about the fact that we oftentimes think of heaven as very, very far away and far above the earth. But in fact, I actually think the biblical picture is much more that, you know, kingdom of heaven is here, it's near, it's at hand. Uh, and so that, that heaven is right here. Um, and, but that same combination, right, uh, for the very first sentence of scripture, in the beginning, uh, actually the way I think is the best translation, in the beginning of God's, uh, uh, excuse me, of God's creating the heavens and the earth, right, but it's that same combination of heaven and earth together, talking about the creation. So I actually wonder if this is really uh, I, kind of bringing us back to creation. Now, that may seem like interesting trivia. I'm going to tell you why I think this is an Advent idea. Um, and it's because of this, the whole concept of Advent is that God had created us to be in Eden. This is what we're reading about in Genesis 1 and 2, right? God had given us this good earth where everything did praise him. Everything served its designed purpose. There was this perfect harmony, perfect shalom, a perfect, you know, the, each thing you fed the next thing and it all just had this synergy to it. There's a, this, uh, you know, it's, it's a harmony that gets disrupted in Genesis 3 when humans end up being the first thing, as you said, they're the only ones who don't have a choice, are the only ones that do have a choice. And they, the humans disrupted this praise of God and decided to praise themselves, right? They, they sought praise. They wanted glory. They wanted their name to be great, right? And we see this then, Genesis 3, Genesis 4, we see you know, through the story of Babel and all that, right? It kept on being this goal of humans to make their name great. And, and so it was the anti-praise, right? Is what we see so much of the rest of Genesis and, and, and so much of the rest of the, the, uh, uh, the Pentateuch. And so, um, we, and, and we see the destruction that comes from that. But the promise of Advent is that God is coming back, right? Jesus is coming back. And he's not just coming back for, for a quick trip or a visit. God is coming back to remake earth, Right? Behold, I'm making all things new, he says in Revelation. And and uh, and, and that we know that, uh, you know, uh, again, Revelation 21, right? God's dwelling place will be here among his people, right? Uh, and God will be back with us. And all things will be rightly ordered again so that all things, including even 
humans, the last of this whole progression, even humans praise God the way that they're supposed to. You know, Augustine talks about the way his description of sin is not something bad that we do. It's disordered affections. Oftentimes our sins, and we, many of you know, know me long, have heard me talk about this a lot, but a lot of our sins are not um, affections for evil things. It's actually affections for good things out of order so that I love sex more than I love fidelity, right? Sex is a good thing. God created it. Or I, I love power more than I love compassion, right? Power is actually a gift that God has given us in order to be able to you know, serve. But as soon as I love power more than I love the purpose for which it was given, now, it's, now it becomes sin. And I think that what we're hearing here is in this time when all things come to praise God again, it's all things, all the affections are rightly ordered. And you know where they ultimately are? You know, the only one who cannot be proud, prideful is God. Because if God thinks he's the greatest, he's right, right? God's being truthful, not prideful. And when we think God's the greatest, that's when now our affections are rightly ordered. And in fact, interestingly enough, that's when we become the greatest versions of ourselves. We're created in God's image. And when we're rightly connected to God, we have a kind of glory that we can never achieve on our own aside from the work of God. And so there's this, this invitation to find our really exalted place beneath God. And so I actually think that this is this kind of anticipation. It's, it's a hearkening back to creation, and it's an anticipation of the new creation. That's what's happening here. And the key difference is going to be that people who didn't praise God the last time, but praise themselves, will now come to praise God as the greatest of all things. Yeah, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Well, yeah, let's pray. Our good and gracious God, we thank you that you are God. Lord, help us through your spirit, uh, through the community of faith of Christian sisters and brothers, Lord, help us through all of this to give glory to you and not for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, we love having you on this journey with us, and we're going to be doing it all the way to, to through Advent uh, until we get to celebrate the first coming of Jesus at Christmas. So I hope you join us uh, every weekday until then. Bye.